Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Very warm welcome to Headliner Radio. Today I'm chatting to award-winning producer, engineer and mixer, Glenn Robinson, uh, who's currently based in New York City. Glenn, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Colby, I'm super good. I'm. Uh, it's early here, but I'm getting up from <laughs> a long session yesterday, but great speaking with you. Yeah, and you, man, and you. It's um, Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show you uh you mentioned you were in the studio late last night are you can you sort of spill the beans on anything you're working on at the moment no it, absolutely it's a country artist in canada called renee ray okay and a friend of mine who's in austin ricky pocket produced it and he rang me up and sent me a bunch of files it's a french record and an english record so i think it's like 28 songs oh nice so yeah i, I mixed everything at my place and then I was in Montreal on some other business and sessions and work. And I just went over to his studio, plugged in what I had been do- doing. And instead of doing, um, you know, back and forth on the internet, revising anything, we just got together and spent two days, just slight tweaks and having a good time yeah. connecting. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. And um, what's, what's your, so your studio, you're in New York at the moment um have you always had a studio there um the, the, you know a lot of studios closed in new york city um just because of the cost of real estate yeah absolutely and um but no i've i had one place uh, set up with a company on 30th street and 7th avenue i had set up a 5.1 um room there at mm. one point and kept on going and then i have a place on the upper west side which which has a really high ceiling. I'm pretty lucky. It's 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 a good size room, and the room sounds really good for listening. Mm. So I can do vocals. I have a camper where I do guitars, but I'll do drums at different places. But I'll I'll mix there in my 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 room. Cool. It's a great room, and yeah, it's a, you know it's like I have Sonar Works, which I think is a great company, and the room is just dead accurate. Mm. Set of Pro X, some NS10s, a pair of Oratones, and. Uh, and some earbuds and some headphones, and I'm, I'm good to go. Anything I take out of there is like pretty much spot on. Yeah, yeah. So you, well, you mentioned Sonarworks. Is that the um, ID reference? The that's the correct calibration yeah, just, thing. Yeah, yeah. Listen, let, you know, I I, pl- I plugged into Ricky's studio. I have a little Apogee Symphony desktop, which yeah. I travel with, and I plugged into his studio. He had these barefoot monitors, and I said, "Do you mind if I just spend twenty minutes and just look at the room and?" It was this huge bump. I don't know in the low end. We fixed it, and then we just went on our session. But yeah, it's kind of a lifesaver. You can commit and make decisions immediately because you have some accuracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you can kind of be anywhere in a reasonable room, and you know, it gives you some confidence on making moves. Yeah, using yeah. monitors. You know, a lot of people use headphones. I'm still not comfortable on headphones. However, probably a pretty cool thing just throw on a pair of headphones and do tweaks and adjustments mm-hmm. and revisions. But um, no, Sonar works with a lifesaver. It's yeah. complete. It's, it's an amazing tool. And they just came out with the Dolby Atmos, so you can calibrate an Atmos room. It's okay. It's pretty pretty scary. What are you? <laughs> pretty scary. But pretty uh, pretty fascinating. Pa- powerful you know. times. Yeah, powerful yeah, times. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean I'm I've been doing this such a long time. Totally come from the analog world. Yes. Um, love. 8068 Mark II Neve, love that desk in a in a great control room with a band, some great microphones mm-hmm. and tape machine. Believe me, it's like 
th- those were great times. I love it, but I, I for mixing, I got to stay in the box and it, it's completely powerful. New Pro Tools with a whole set of plugins, you know. Yeah. Really, yeah. really, really, really works well. It's incredible. You can really emulate anything. If you have the mindset of coming from the analog world, you grow up in in, in all these great studios, whether it be Conway Power Station, uh, great calibrated rooms. There's mm-hmm. some wonderful control rooms around the world. You you spend a lot of hours in those rooms, and they you just remember the DNA of that room. So yeah, yeah. and you know the whole clipping thing of tape and pushing things. You, you can really just kind of emulate that with digital pretty yeah, spot yeah. on these days. I think. No, and and I mean that's a, a kind of a different conversation itself, which we'll come on to in a moment. Um, your kind of uh, analog sensibilities and um, working in some of these big studios, because I know you've, like you say, you've been doing this since the eighties. So, um, and and like I say, we'll come to that in a bit. But what are you doing more of these days, Glenn? Um, you mentioned you know you you get about to different studios to like your friend's studio to do recording and, and tracking and that kind of stuff. But are you doing kind of a bit of everything at the moment you know production engineering uh, is it just yeah yeah i'll tell you one thing that's come come to my plate is uh re-records okay um what's happening is a lot of artists are they're they're released from their publishing deal i was after a certain term so some artists are re-recording as per the original and re-releasing it Mm -hmm. and then using some of those songs either on on sync on a movie commercial and they're owning the rights to the song they license the song mm. so uh i've been doing quite a bit of re-records for uh several artists one being sean kingston uh who i did four tracks for him he did um uh, eeny with justin bieber and i completely redid that song with Another singer in South Africa, they did the vocals, Sean in LA, Mm -hmm. Stefan in South Africa, and I did everything in my studio. As per the original, mix mastered it, programmed all the beats and put the vocal together, comp the vocal, mastered it. And um, yeah, it went out to to a movie and they re-released the record on Spotify and all digital platforms. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. It's interesting. So you're doing this for sorry to interrupt you. There's, no, no. You're doing this forensic analysis as per the original. Uh, like yeah. the client wanted as per the original, and you're sitting there. It's like about forty hours worth of work going so, through. So, so at that point, do you just get given all the stems and then just given nothing? Stuff? Giving, given, go, go find it. That's so mad. you create it. You create yeah, yeah. it. Uh, and you you have to you have to re- there's any samples you kind of have to redo the samples so you know they don't get in trouble with sample clearance yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah it's a it's a challenge interesting okay I can imagine it can be quite challenging as well potentially you know um, and it's it's something a little bit different I mean it certainly keeps you on your toes I would imagine um, but like I said, yeah, and you're competing with, say, for instance, the Eeny Mini track was yeah. Benny Blanco and um, like super producer and then um, a super duper mixer. And you just got to go, you got to compete with that and do it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, and you do it, send it to the client and they sign off on it. It's like mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to dwell on it too much, Glenn, um, because I've, I've had this chat with 
pretty much everyone um, I've spoken to over the last sort of six months to a year. But how were how how were things for you when the when the pandemic first happened? Um, when it when it first come about? Because you know a lot of people I've spoken to, it it, it was you know silver linings. They got a, a lot more work, um, kind of ironically off off the back of it. And some obviously didn't, especially those performing uh you know touring and gigging um you know, touring artists um but how were things for you uh when it first happened great question um a lot of my friends and artist friends really got hit hard from touring for sure i was in the middle of finishing up several projects and i was when it hit and the lockdown came up it was uh i was in the middle of mixing a double live record for a client so we just kept on trucking mm-hmm. And I was also mixing a band from Australia. So it didn't really matter if they were here or not here. I just kind of isolated and did my own thing. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And I think it it gave people a, a, a chance to kind of dive back into the craft and kind of get back into almost sort of why they fell in love with music in the first place um, and, and kind of honing their chops and all that kind of stuff in, in the studio. Um, and I know you originally did that, as I, as I mentioned, uh, briefly previously in the eighties, working with the likes of Keith Richards and George Martin, um, incredible, some incredible names there at, at the studio Morin Heights, um, in Montreal. Um, tell us, uh, tell us about those early days, uh, Glenn, from, from your perspective, working with some of these names and, and when did you, I guess, when did you first get your, uh, your first big break in, in production, so to speak? Uh, lucky, you know, it's just timing. I think I ended. I started really, really young, um, and I got a job in this studio, and they had a Trident Flexi Mix. It was a a Trident console made for Queen lot for their live touring thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like stoked because this, I said I want to work in a twenty four track studio, no demo, small sixteen eight. And I got this job, and the owners were really cool. The Albert Brothers. Were coming in to work with a gang of four, mm. and, I said, and they were French speaking. I said, "No, you do this. Go, you know, be the engineer on the session." And Albert Brothers were out of Criteria in Miami, and they had they were pretty. Um, they had done work with Eric Clapton and a bunch of people, mm. and they were really seasoned professional producers. And they just, Glenn, have you ever cut tape? I mean, I've never cut tape. Okay, you're either going to cut the tape up and edit this song. And they were so cool. They just threw me into the, the shark tank. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds like, like you say, thrown in at the deep end, but um, that can often be uh, quite, a productive, quite a productive thing, I guess. I remember getting the job as staff, you know, staff engineer at La Studio. I had never worked on an SSL before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was at a Christmas party at La Studio, and this place was absolutely... A beautiful, beautiful studio on a beautiful property. It was so well run. The owner, Andre Perry, visionary. A beautiful place. Um, the who's who, you know, of music had Incredible. been through this. And um, they hired me. and I, I had never worked on a desk. And I was like, you're going to do this record. It's four weeks. This band's coming in and you're going to mix the record. And they're going to do some overdubs. And so that. I just, and I was reading the SSL manual before I was going the night before up till two in the morning. 
just like <laughs> looking at the gain structure, the routing, understanding stuff. I, they, I, the tech had lent me in the manual. I just want to look at the manual, look it over. And I jumped in and went slowly, you brought up a fader and start feeling out and got along, you know, got, got along with the client. Actually, the client from that session I'm supposed to meet this afternoon for oh, really? another set. It's really? so weird. I mean, how times like, you know, it's, we were talking about yeah. it. Like we hadn't worked in together. It was like the first record I ever did at the studio. And like we're mixing the Spanish thing right now. Okay. It's crazy times. Well, but yeah, I mean, getting back to like Keith Richards, he came in for 10 days. Yeah. With the expense of winos, that was um, just to be around, being around that energy was was incredible. I mean, he'd, he'd play and they would just jam. And three days later, he would remember at what time this part he wanted of this, of this tape to go in the next verse. So you'd have to pull out, search, take notes, pull out that reel. It was like about 150 reels of two-inch tape. <sighs> And you document as you went, but he would remember everything he did. Nuts. And yeah, there's stories upon stories, but, and the, the, the nicest guy loved so much passion for music. I mean, having a laugh and love being around people and his bandmates and just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. I, I find the higher level guy, you know, musician, rock star, what, I mean, title rock star. Yeah. Some yeah. of the bigger names are just, genuine and so passionate about what they're doing yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really incredible and george martin as well in what sort of capacity did you guys work together george martin came in with his wife and his son jules for two days at a studio and he was doing film auditions oh right okay uh, a film company had hired him to do the music and they flew him in and the studio said do you want to go Again, English speaking Glenn, go uh, George Martin's coming back, no mm-hmm. problem. And just sitting at the desk with him, he was getting some FedExes in from different music and watching him listen to music. Kindest, most humble. I can't explain it, just an mm-hmm. incredible, incredible gentleman. Um, I remember Jules saying, I'm, I'm really tall, I'm like six foot eight, he's there. Oh, wow. Dad, you look like a midget next to Glenn. He said, "No, I don't." We're back to back, and like, no, no, no. He's not. Was just having some laughs. <laughs> Everybody was walking on eggshells around him, like you yeah, know, yeah. George, George Martin. I was just like, just being myself and being yeah. just getting the work done, and like you yeah. know, no ass kissing. Just like, yeah. where are we going? What are we doing? What's next? Boom, bang. Yeah. So yeah, it's the way to be, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah. you've. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the some of the names you've worked with since Glenn, and and the list kind of kind of goes on and on. But you know, the Ramones, Beach Boys, Nashville Pussy. Who who's been your favourite to work with? I know it's a little bit of a loaded question, and I know you've probably got like you say so many stories, so many memories from over the years. Um, but are any are there any that spring to mind, sort of, uh, you know, off the cuff that that um, that really stick with you and and have kind of really kind of informed your uh informed your process as a as a, as a producer going forward like you know i was i was going back to new york and i was on the west side highway and i got a call from snake from Voivod. yeah there, he's there he's there hey man dave Grohl called me and he wants to do this hard metal project with all his favorite metal singers yes and can you do it can, he's going to send you some tape some tapes and uh, we'll go in, we'll do some vocals on this stuff he's going to send. And then um, 
yeah, so he was working with this guy, Matt Sweeney, who's a great guitar player, great guy, sent us the tape from, I think he was in Seattle in a basement somewhere doing these drum tracks. Mm. And Snake and I got together, put up the tape and started working on all these, working on the vocals and just the energy from his team and his excitement and enthusiasm mm. and his drumming and tones on tape and guitar playing was is you just capture this energy from a great team. Yes. It was like the excitement and like, and you're going to send him a rough mix. I'm like, okay, so this has got to be the Holy grail, the best rough mix <laughs> I've ever done. And I'm like, so I, I FedEx him back the two inch tape and I burn a CD and I put it on top and Matt called me. Sir. He's so happy. He loves it. This is going to work. Yeah, he can send. Right. It was just great energy. And Fantastic. yeah, it was pretty cool. I was a big fan of his work. Um, earlier, earlier, I was in Seattle at Studio X, working with Metal Church, and I had seen all the studios, and I had seen where he, where Dave had done his first record. It was, um, it was in a silo. I remember, forget the name of the studio. It was mm-hmm. on a cliff. The guy dug all, dug out this giant silo in the ground where all the drums were done. But I remember him doing that first record. I used to play the cassette all the time in my yeah. car. But ended up doing, and then, you know, if ever. Foo Fighters, God bless Foo Fighters these days, but whenever they're touring, their manager is their management so cool. I'll reach out and hey, kind of go see the show. Man. Yeah, awesome. It's a long time later there. Yeah, yeah, great. Go we'll go down and see the show and stuff. But yeah, yeah, how- good people, good people, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, man. I love Dave and, and how incredible to be to go from a fan playing their tapes to to working with them directly. I mean, it's pretty pretty cool experience um it, it is it's just so much respect to the organization and passion and just like every time you listen to the drums on the raw drum tracks just like it's like the last thing you're ever going to do in the world it's like it's just so on and urgent it's yeah. just like whoa this is like the anyways you, you, i think you get what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah um i, I want to talk about your um We've touched on this already again, uh, Glenn, your sort of creative process um, as, a, as a producer and engineer. You mentioned um, you're mostly doing things like in the box uh, now, um, but I imagine obviously coming from the analog world, you're still a fan of, of you know, outboard and synths and, and organic instrumentation and bringing that kind of stuff in into the chain as well. Um, what is your approach like these days? Again, depends on what, what sort of track you're working on i would imagine these i mean i'm working on one project right now with taylor mccluskey he's an actor uh musician he's a great yeah yeah he's a great artist he's from la and um he has a there's a drummer in los angeles his name is zach st john a phenomenal guy phenomenal drummer i flew him up to do a couple of sessions so i'll do demos with a kemper with taylor um and send Zach the drums in LA. He's got a great studio studio at his house mm. and he'll send us back tracks and then we'll build on that. Uh, it's mostly in the box and I'm, you know, whether I'm using Omnisphere or a Kemper, mm-hmm. I get, it's pretty much everything I need. Unfortunately, I'm steering away from outboard gear more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, space, really, right? I, I never thought I'd, I never thought I'd say it, but when I see like, managers agents record company people it want to get into their world they don't care yeah they just want it they have they i don't think a lot of them can tell the difference whether it was they just want to hear the end result mm-hmm. 
I just want to get to the finish line. And if something digital gives it to me, like sign me up, I'm going that way. I mean, I'd love yeah, yeah. to mic up my Marshall Plexi with some Neve 1073s in a room mm-hmm. with a bunch of microphones and turn it up really loud and make sure that the voltage is correct. But I'll plug in the Kemper and do guitar tracks that way. Yeah, yeah. Over the Marshall Plexi. Unfortunately, I, I'm saying that. I can't believe it. <laughs> No, I mean, it's it's all kind of personal preference, isn't it, really? And like you say, the end result is the end result. Um, kind of how you get there is is all up to you. And, and um, I know uh, you're a fan of Oak Sound plugins, uh, something we've been talking about just off the call. Um, I guess when you're doing things in the box and you're, and you're using a lot of, of digital tools, um, you want to be as quick and, and kind of as efficient as possible. Um, I would imagine. And, and Suve is one of those things that, that people have really jumped on. Um, have you, have you been using it for a while, Glenn? How, how sort of familiar are you with, with their stuff? Suve is a lifesaver. Um, yesterday I was using it on a vocal. Yeah. A lot of times people will send me tracks to mix. If I get drum tracks and the overheads are horrid. Yes. Yeah. Soothe is a game changer. It's, I can't even soothe too, especially as was like, yeah. uh, the blend knob, everything. There's so many great presets in it. It's quick. It's, you you don't have to like dig in and filter and notch and DS. You can just, it's a one-stop shop and mm-hmm. gets it done super quickly. So efficient. It's transparent. It's musical. It's efficient. And it sounds great. Mm. It does what it's supposed to do. I love it. Is it just vocals you mostly use it on, or can you can you be a little bit more broad with your strokes with it and kind of put it across like the whole mix bus, or just put it I, on? There's a preset I tried on a mix actually two days ago. I think it was it said Grammy something preset, like ready for the Grammys, and I just I just feathered in a bit of that. I thought it was really cool. Mm. Um, yeah, on the whole mix, sometimes if there's a little instead of using a multi band compressor and just softening some of the top end that is soothe can go a long way yeah. Yeah, yeah um certainly on some acoustic guitar stuff with some knocking and clicking is it one of those uh, things that you find yourself just grabbing for like on most projects these days because once you use something that can be such a such a time saver like that it becomes it almost becomes second nature to just grab for it right you know, I, I think it's a pro, it's an immediate problem solver. Yes. If I hear if I hear something, I start with the vocal and the drums. I start bringing up the mix. I, if I hear something, instead of like fiddling around or doing some surgical EQ, I might filter out some bottom end, then throw soothe on and see what it, or see where it goes and EQ after that and enhance what I need to enhance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's my it definitely go to. It's I use it where needed. It's a it's a massive uh, problem problem fixer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nice man. Um, I mean, this is a bit of a again, bit of a a, a loaded question, Glenn. Um, but you know, having been in the music industry for for you know thirty to forty years now, kind of seen the whole kind of spectrum of 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 what's happened um, in the last sort of 30 odd years, what, what's the biggest kind of change you've seen? Um, it might be a bit sort of a bit of an obvious question as well. Um, but what's the biggest change you've seen uh, take place in the music industry? 
streaming, no royalties. Yes. Yeah. People will always need to create great content. So I still have a job, but I mean, even, you know, budgets don't really concern me. I budgets are different, obviously, but it's like if I was giving X amount to a studio for a month, I don't do that anymore. Mm. So it doesn't make a difference on the rate. I mean, there's obviously the rates are a little different, but in terms of royalty payouts, it's it's a bit of a mess. I mean, there's there's no money in streaming for the artist for the writer. Yes, I think that's the uh, the focus is touring and and merch. kind of the ongoing debate at the moment, isn't it? Um, streaming royalties, especially Spotify. Um, there's there's art, been a couple of little updates. Yeah. Re- yeah, a couple of little updates recently, but I think we need some more wait before um, yeah, yeah. any kind of significant change happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I think that's a lot of the things that I wanted to, to chat to you about, Glenn. Um, what's uh, what's in the pipeline for you for the rest of the year? I can't believe we're we're you know well into the second half of the year now already. Um, what what have you got on the cards, and and what are you most looking forward to for the rest of of twenty twenty two, mate? Finishing up some projects I'm currently on. Um working on some music for a Netflix sci-fi oh, series nice. that is that is coming out um, end of next year. That sounds good. Cool. I'm going to deliver. Um, it's actually five tracks that I got assigned to do, hard tracks that I'll just... Um, two have vocals that I'll use somebody on, and the other three are instrumental. So they're hard-hitting things, so I'll do some composing on and, and you know do that. And a couple of records I'm uh, working on. Awesome. Do you enjoy the composing stuff, Glenn? Because that's something that I didn't know you were sort of uh, doing doing much doing of, more, yeah, yeah. Do, doing more and more of it. Uh, funny enough, co- doing some more more co-writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always kind of done arrangement. Um, okay. In pre in pre production with the artists I've been working working with, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I just take a couple of years ago there was some opportunity and I started doing some writing and um, yeah I'm having fun with that a lot. Nice, yeah, nice man. Well, it, it, I mean, it sounds like there's there's lots for, for you to look forward to uh, this year and and um, a lot to to keep you busy. And it's good to hear that you're keeping busy. You know, off the back of of the shit show of the last couple of years um and uh yeah it's been a it's been a pleasure catching up thank you so much for your time man colby great speaking with you thank you so much and you uh we will uh for the purposes of the of the podcast we will say goodbyes now but um yeah all the best with everything you've got going on at the moment man and uh hopefully we'll catch up very soon cheers mate thank you take, take care glenn cheers headliner radio supporting the creative community